Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Wyndham Garden Lafayette. From Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with creative business consultant Aileen Bennett. It's business, Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Aileen Bennett. Welcome to Out to Lunch. America loves maple syrup. You can find it anywhere in the country, from supermarket shelves to fast food restaurants. What America doesn't seem to know is that maple syrup has a cousin that's better looking, richer, and better tasting. It's called cane syrup. Here in Acadiana, we know about cane syrup because we grow the sugar cane that makes it. We often use the name Steens as a synonym for cane syrup, but if you start delving into cane syrup, you'll find there's an alternative to Steens that's noticeably different. Poirier's cane syrup is made by Charles Poirier from a recipe that was created by his great-great-grandfather. Charles calls it syrup with a soul. He only makes as much each season as he can manufacture himself by hand from his own crop of sugar cane. When a batch sells out, it sells out. And it's doing that quicker and quicker each year. As Poirier's is being discovered by chefs and written about by magazines like Garden and Gun and food bloggers. Charles, welcome to Out to Lunch. Hello, how are you? I'm good. If you've driven down Johnson Street in Lafayette over the last eight years, you would have noticed what started out as a quirky pink sign that said Sophie P. Cakes is today a landmark bakery. Sophie P. Cakes makes cupcakes. The bakery is a creation of husband and wife team Jennifer and Dustin Melosson, neither of which are Sophie or P. Sophie is short for sophisticated and P stands for punk. The spirit of the name was meant to embrace the concept of cupcakes for all tastes and it worked. Sophie P. Cakes makes up to 1,000 cupcakes a day. They sell cupcakes out of their storefront bakery and wholesale to office complexes, hospitals and companies. Jennifer, welcome to Out to Lunch. Hi, thank you. Charles. You're the poster boy for the farm-to-table movement. You plant and grow sugarcane, you harvest it yourself, you take the sugarcane to a mill and grind it, you process it by hand into syrup, you pour the syrup into bottles and you put the labels on the bottles. While the rest of the world is talking about artificial intelligence and self-driving cars, you're making cane syrup the same way as it was made by your great-great-grandfather in the late 1800s. Right now, you pretty much have the handcrafted, high-quality cane syrup market to your Yourself. Is it because you're doing something that no one else can do? Or could Steens, for example, decide to make a private label version of their syrup and basically copy your recipe? I think it's just, and you know, whenever you call and you order, whenever you order something or you go to buy something, instead of talking to a, a, a recording, they're seeing the guy who's making, who's actually producing this from, from planning it to, well, to giving you a taste of it, you know? So I think people uh, uh, really appreciate that. And what's different in the taste of your syrup? Uh, without being harsh, mine is not as harsh as Steen's. Um, well, Steen's is, is strong. Um, and when I was a kid, it, it was strong. Um, you know, we, I, my parents actually did not care for Steen's a whole lot. They like Blackburn out of Jefferson, Texas. And I remember, I still have a few bottles, matter of fact. Do you think it is the fact that people are buying into this little thing that's, you know, it's handmade, it's, you know, it's limited? 
Do you think that's part of the appeal, that if it was on every supermarket shelf? I couldn't have said it better myself, yes, correct. That's a lot of it. Jennifer, in the years you've been making cupcakes, we've seen two rival forces at work. One is the popularity of baking shows on TV, which is something I doubt anyone could have ever predicted. And the other is awareness of health and pervasive guilt factor that now seems to go along with eating cake. From the evidence of your success, I would have thought the guilt factor isn't having much of an influence on us in Lafayette. But I see that you're now making keto and eat fit cupcakes. If you can make a cupcake that tastes just as good and it's healthy, why wouldn't you make all your cupcakes with that recipe? Or don't the healthy ones taste as good? Up until recently, I did not make anything with a health-conscious attitude. And my go-to statement was, I'm really good at really bad stuff. Um, I know how to just make things taste good. And it's a cupcake. It's not a whole cake. cake. It's a little treat. You know, treat yourself. Um, And to my dad's dismay, he had diabetes pretty much my entire life. Um, I I never baked for him either. So recently, uh, I did decide, okay, we should be part of the problem. I mean, part of the solution. (laughs) We're already part of the problem. Um, Part of the solution and just by chance ran into uh, the Eat Fit organization. Um, while I was deciding that I should maybe jump on the keto thing. My husband's on it. Yeah, because part of keto is getting enough fat, so you make Mm -hmm. these called fat bombs. Correct. Which Which aren't terrible. Now, I mean, I'm not on the diet, and so I never really ate any of that. And it took me about a week to be like, okay, you know, they're... They're tasty. If you're on this diet, they taste good and they fit the requirements. And then it really is a matter of we need to continue to move forward. And part of that is to introduce health options. Um, Right now we only do the fat bombs. I am working on actual cake. Eh, It's a process to make it taste good. It probably will never taste like an actual Sophie P. cupcake. but you won't release it until know it's that. delicious. Oh, no. No way. <laughs> or it won't be released ever, you know. <laughs> Did you grow up baking just the way Charles's family grew up? We'll get back to that in a minute. But Probably not as, uh, as much as you were in your family. I, my parents are school teachers. I have three older brothers. We're very... Um, just kind of down-to-earth family and so if we wanted a birthday cake if we wanted stuff like that it really just I baked it I just did it um so it's not I don't know I just just did it I just and then I just understood it and it's really has been almost my entire adult life that I've just been in a kitchen or um in a pastry shop Charles, I have so many questions. Your great-great-grandfather made the syrup. When did you decide to? Um, When I was, uh, well, probably about 20 or so years ago, my my father had mentioned that he had remembered his grandfather talking about his dad making cane syrup in Cypress Island. Because your father didn't, even though we talk about it being many generations, your father didn't do it. My father did not, correct. Um, So... Fast forward a few years, my father passed away. I remember his conversation about that. I uh, I set out to find a meal, and I started checking around with some of my dad, my let me see, my dad's cousins around New Iberia, 
few more around San Martinville. And come to find out, I was, uh, they brought me to my great-great-grandfather, the actual mill, the grinder. Um, actually found that his youngest son, which was one of 22, still had it. And he, wow. at that time, he was 97, I think, or 98 years old. And I was going to get the mill from him. He had checked with his daughter. She didn't want to get rid of it. So I was like, okay. I missed that one. I ended up, I looked all over the state on the internet, couldn't find a mill. So finally. Because you wanted to use the same equipment. Yes. The, um, something, uh, keep up the nostalgia, you know. So finally, I uh, talked to another one of my dad's friends, and he said, there's one about three miles from here, which is about four miles from my home. So I went to look at it and I did bring some cash and I ended up getting the mill home about a week later. And that, so that's how it uh, started. But I want to bring the, try and bring that process back, kind of, you know, to, for people to enjoy what, I didn't know what in the world I was doing to start off with. So, um, but that's where it started, you know, was to kind of, uh, so was there an actual recipe that was handed down or did you have to work out what that well, recipe was? The um, so let me see my great great uncle, and and he only spoke French. Um, that was a guy in, in Saint Martinville who still had his father's mill. Um, I'd asked him how his daddy did it, and he just explained it to me. And I had my notepad and I was writing it down. Um, so that's how I got part of a recipe, or you know, there's really not a recipe to it. It's a hands-on thing. You know, is it because you're not? See, we all imagine you, you're not, you're not in a vault guarded by correct. lions. Correct. No, around, no, know. no. It's um because you're not you're not mixing ingredients at all. Is the process? So it's a process it's rather a, than correct. a. Yes. What does a sugar mill? What does the mill look like? Is it? I imagine like a big old printing press size. Uh, pretty much. It's um the mill I have. I think weighs right at twenty two hundred pounds. Um, it's not. Uh, Maybe a little water in the table, a little shallower. Um, it's big, it's heavy. Um, and what, did you look at modern equipment that you could make it faster you, and quicker and you better? You can't buy modern equipment. There's not a modern equivalent? No. Uh, I believe they make mills in India. And um, I wasn't too interested in all that. So I was wanting to find something from, from here, you know. Um, so that's... Story on the and Jennifer, do you, you use fairly cutting edge equipment yeah. in the bakery? You can make twenty dozen cupcakes at a time. Yes, uh, our, we just we have a fairly large oven, um, double stack. Twenty, 20 dozen, dozen can 20 be dozen. in the oven at a single One time. time. Mm -hmm. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> so you didn't uh, think of looking for your great grandmother's oven to do your business? No. Um, it, what's funny though is that we did buy my grandmother's house and so she had one of the little wall ovens that was still mustard yellow really? and had the little coils at the mm -hmm. top um, but our first oven we could only do eight dozen because we start we started small um, so we've increased production and, and how many ability. cupcakes do you make a week a day what figure do you know uh, let's see um, a day is probably 800 ish depending on what day of the week it is or we have a pretty significant order this weekend one one customer wants 750 cupcakes so we're gonna go in, in stages yeah why not 
two employees, you know, three employees. <laughs> we can do this. No and you've deal. changed your business. You you kind of started with a, a, a cake shop mm -hmm. that evolved into a cupcake shop. Correct. And what have you learned about running a business in the last years? Oh, goodness. Um, that we were not prepared. <laughs> we were not prepared at all. We, I was a pastry chef. Dustin, my husband, had a degree in marketing. Um, we were kind of accidentally thrown into the uh, we had the option to open a bakery so we just ran because you opened a cupcake shop uh, and the same time cupcakes suddenly and we did not know about popular. that we i wanted to open a custom cake shop and cupcakes were our way for people to taste our flavors we had a unique thought process on baking it wasn't just although we do have traditional white cake chocolate cake yellow cake we i mean we make uh, unique flavor combinations and so the cupcakes were the way for our customers to taste the product and then they were to order the cake and then we open and cupcake wars aired you know right around then and we had no idea that was happening and within a month we were at a cupcake shop and then people were predicting oh this is just a quick trend this yeah. is and and then it never really went away it didn't go away although we've had to evolve and bring new things in so it really people did want cakes but we sold way more cupcakes so i had to phase cakes out because you know on saturday we'd have three weddings and 40 orders plus the retail shop and we just couldn't manage it so I got rid of cakes um, and we expanded our uh, cupcake product line so then we also had to thank you um, stay kind of current so we introduced uh, cheesecakes and then we introduced other little tiny things just so we wouldn't get stale um, which is also another reason why we're introducing the health options. And um, that is new to me because I have to think about it and really revise recipes. And I've never had to really, really do that in that much detail, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Aileen Bennett. I'm talking with Jennifer Malosson from Sophie P. Cakes and Charles Poirier from Poirier's Cane Syrup. Charles, we talk about you making small batches. Let's talk numbers. How many bottles of cane syrup do you make? Oh, I can tell you about how many gallons in a season. Yes, tell us um, that. La let me see. Last year, I made right at 320 gallons. And how much is in a bottle? Uh, I do eight-ounce bottles. I do uh, pints and I do quarts. I do and we'll, we'll I let do the listeners work also. out how many bottles that is. <laughs> sure. They're um, intelligent. Oh, just ballpark, probably. If I had to do it all in, um, ooh, in eight-ounce bottles... Let me take out my phone. I can figure it. <laughs> but it's it's upward. If it all in eight ounces would be upwards of probably three thousand bottles. And they sell bottle. pretty quickly. Oh yes. Are there people pre-ordering? Have they have you already got? No, orders? I don't take pre-orders. Um, he makes us wait. That's clever mm, marketing. Nice. I, I don't. Well, you sometimes you you um, you holding something for someone, and you passing up other orders, and they don't pick up. Yeah. So um. Eating crow, calling somebody back on the phone, say, "Hey, I do have some if you still want it." I don't like to do that. And yeah. how long does the process take? Can you talk us through the process? You, you plant sugar cane. Sure. Then what happens? Yeah, um, you plant it usually in August, um, which I did that last month or month before now. Um, so you plant in August, and you actually start harvesting last year's crop in 
late September, October. And once you uh, strip all the leaves off, cut it, haul it to the mill. Um, you, you press it or grind it, and the juice goes into two 60-gallon kettles. And once the kettles are filled, you um, fire them up, but, and I'll use propane. Um, bring it to start uh, heating, heating up the juice, and once it starts heating up, all the impurities float to the top. And that the impurities are, um, there's wax on the cane, there's spores on the cane, there's uh, chlor the chlorophyll starts coming up. It's been a while, so it's been nine months I hadn't made it, so I'm almost forgetting. Um, so you start skimming all that off, and so when you, well, when you first start out, it, it looks like a, a five-star mess, you know. And once it's, you start clarifying the juice, it, it, uh, it's kind of a emerald green color. And as you continue cooking it down, it starts caramelizing more and more until you reduce it down to syrup. And once that's done, you take it up and, well, you start bottling. And do you then start putting it on everything? Do you get a point where you eat so much of it, or is it just a, do you never eat it, or do you eat it all the time? Uh, it all depends. It all depends. <laughs> um, no, probably, I'd say probably two or three times a week, you know. Um, not a whole lot of it, um, you know. So don't know, contribute to any diabetes or anything. <laughs> Jennifer and Charles, this is part of the show that we call Your Brother-in-Law. You finally got to the end of a long day and you're ready to relax when your phone rings. It's your brother-in-law. Normally he only calls when he happens to be nearby and it's dinner time, but this time it's different. He's got a business proposal for you. Charles, your brother-in-law has an awesome idea for expanding your business into Colorado. Pot-infused cane syrup. Think about it, the taste is ready-made for adding pot. You could start with a very small batch, batch, only a few bottles, and he could take them out to Colorado as samples and see what sort of response he gets. All he needs is some gas money, maybe a contribution towards an Airbnb. What do you tell your brother-in-law? Is pot-infused cane syrup a great idea or what? <laughs> I'd probably tell him, go for it. Why not, you know? Well, it, it couldn't hurt anything. Um, yeah, I'd probably say go for it. Absolutely. Why not? And do you get lots of strange requests like this? Do you get people calling you all the time saying, hey, we need to join up and I can sell this for you or we can do this or... Oh, yes. I've had uh, people come up to... Well, not come up to me, but call me with all kind of ideas. Um, some are like out of, out of this world. Others are just wanting to experiment uh, for their home, home use, you know. And well, usually they'll end up buying some from me and we'll do that. Uh, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, have you have you ever has anyone called you and said let's let's take this nationally, let's stop making three thousand yes, bottles I've, and make three I've million? Had probably three or four people now that have called me and wanted to people I do not know uh, to make it big, and I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, if we do this, I'm gonna be working for you now. So and I do like working for myself. That's hard to beat. I'm sure you could agree to that too. Yeah. So we're in no danger of you stopping doing the beautiful small batch stuff that we're all addicted to. Correct. Yes. Jennifer, <laughs> your brother-in-law says you could be part of a cutting-edge media opportunity. 
You have over 16,000 followers on Facebook. In a population the size of Lafayette, that's a significant number of people. Now that Facebook Live is popular, you could do a cupcake baking show straight on Facebook. You don't need a TV channel, you don't need a big budget, you don't need anything except a camera and a concept, which he's got. It's called Cupcake Kids Smackdown. Teams of kids compete against each other to make cupcakes. It's got smash hit written all over it. What do you tell your brother-in-law? No. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, the things that happen behind the scenes in a kitchen, uh, in my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just your uh, kitchen. <laughs> no, you know, um, I'm a much uh, filtered version of most kitchens. Uh, but no, I mean, we don't have kid-based. We don't have kids. I, I wouldn't know how to deal with that. I also don't love the reality TV shows because uh, not that I think everyone deserves an award, but I don't think people need to be berated because somebody doesn't like their chocolate cake. You know, um, we... What about just a reality show set at Sophie P's? Um, I thought of that, and I think it would be best if it was recorded and we became like cartoons, <laughs> like we were the South Park, uh, so people wouldn't really know it was us, you know, because there's some crazy stuff that happens and just disgust, and you get a bunch of chicks in a kitchen. It's... Um, it's I think that's weird. a great idea. I think I it could know. be Sophie Pease the cartoon. It could be the or next Simpsons. Or we name it something else, you know, <laughs> so they don't know it's us. Oh, so they really don't know it's you. <laughs> I see. I'm good with that. <laughs> and you've recently moved into wholesale. Mm -hmm. Why the move? Just um, to get more cupcakes? Is it world domination? World domination, 100%, is uh, actually the title of my growth plan, is world domination. Um, Dustin and I... Wait, wait, you have a growth plan. This sounds all businessy. Oh, I know. It's weird. It's new. It's new for me to actually be a business owner and not a pastry chef trying to run a bakery. Um, so I went through this Goldman Sachs 10,000 small business program earlier in the year, and uh, you walk out of the program with a five-year growth plan. Um, and it taught me how to speak like a business adult as well. Oh. I know. Which is why we invited you on and the I show. And I haven't cursed at all just now, guys. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it really, it takes people that uh, have been able to survive in business on their own and can propel their business forward but may not fully understand how to do it without continuing to struggle just with business stuff like taxes that's crazy oh, you know no. yes yeah. we're all looking into the heavens on that one <laughs> so wholesale is the route you decided to go I do, wholesale will get us um across state lines we are projected to sell into texas hopefully mid-year of 2019 um i do have some products that i would love to get in grocery stores more of our cheesecakes and things that are a little more sturdy and shelf stable. So will we eventually have a Sophie Peas in every town in the country? Um, probably not, but hopefully most grocery stores would have Sophie P products. I would, I think it would be um, easier to manufacture that way instead of reproducing different actual physical locations. So will, will we start our cooking lives by buying your cake mixes and going home and making them or will it always just be I actual cakes? I think it will already be a completed product that we produce 
in package. And will sell. there be a product with a limited edition cane syrup in it in the near you future? You know what? Totally can happen. I'm all for I it too. I love creating new stuff. And then they could be limited edition. You have Absolutely. monthly specials anyway, don't Correct. you? Correct. Yeah. And how do you come up? Is that your way of testing new flavors? Yeah, and then we kind of got after eight years. I'm sorry, after eight years. Eighty years. It just eight feels years. like eighty years. <laughs> um, it got routine. People expect the pumpkin pie cupcake right now. They expect the pecan pie cupcake. They expect like so in October, November, and December. There are very specific cupcakes. And I always people... want to know at the end of the month, because this is human nature, you can have it all month, but the minute you take it away and oh, the new menu, do people it. come in and go, yeah. I just need that one you had yesterday? Yeah. Yes. Because I, I always feel like that. I look at the, I, don't, I just needed that. I had a whole month to get it. <laughs> but that, I think that it's only available for a limited time. Correct. It's the same thing you both have. That's in the world we live in today where everything's accessible 24-7 and we can order things from any country in the world. That has a pull that it's only available yeah. for a limited time. It has a, a pull as human beings that we just can't resist. Yeah. I mean, if you don't come to us for a month, we're going to punish you. And we're going to take it away. And you don't get it. Take it away, huh? <laughs> I was there just the other day. Pull the carrot in front of the horse. <laughs> you can't go anywhere in Acadiana without seeing fields of sugar cane. Sweetness is a way of life here. We find plenty of ways to enjoy it, from cane syrup to cupcakes. Charles and Jennifer, you two have the sweetest careers in all of Acadiana. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thanks for having us. Thank you. It was great to be here. Yeah. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Charles Poirier from Poirier's Cane Syrup and Jennifer Malosson from Sophie Pete Cakes. You can find out more about Charles's syrup and Jennifer's cupcakes by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Morell. Our researchers are Anne Christian and Ali Coates. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, itsacadiana.com, and on our It's Acadiana Facebook page. These photos were taken by Lucius A. Fontenot. You can find out more about Lucius at lafphoto.com. You can get this show and past shows as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at itsacadiana.com. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsacadiana.com and krvs.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and krvs 88.7 FM. I'm Aileen Bennett. Thanks for joining me today. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live over lunch at Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette. Cafe Vermilionville is open Monday to Friday for lunch and six nights a week for dinner with a courtyard that sets the scene for fine Louisiana cuisine. The Out to Lunch Acadiana theme music, Encore Monsieur, Nice Guy, is written by Mitchell Foreman and performed by Mitchell Foreman and Andre Michaud. Out to Lunch Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana and Dustin Ortego from The Opportunity Machine. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from the Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Cali Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is a pet and family-friendly hotel with reception space for large and intimate events, free parking, free Wi-Fi, 
and a free shuttle within three miles that includes the airport and downtown restaurants.